Simon and Wayne's Spiffing Review, with your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello! Hello! And welcome to another exciting episode of Spiffing Review, with me, Simon Jones, and me, Wayne Bolt. We're back after only two weeks this time, yes, which is... keeping fairly regular. It's not too with bad. with the podcast. Not too bad. So in this episode, we're going to bring you the results of the Sci-Fi London 40-hour film competition. Uh, we'll be mentioning our trip to London to see Arms Race, which was shown on the big screen, and we'll have another trip to the trailer park. Plus, we'll be introducing our new feature we're calling Movie Watch. Because it's about us watching movies. And to finish off, we're going to be looking at the realm of fan films. Yes, focusing specifically on one called Born of Hope, which is a Lord of the Rings fan film. So more on that later. Later. Okay. So, uh, first of all, the 40-hour film competition we spoke about in the last episode of Spiffing Review uh, was won in the end by the film Intention of Miles. Mm -hmm. Did either of us pick that as our favourite? I, I didn't. No, I, I like the more I comical one, but it's, it's a good film nonetheless. It's mm-hmm. definitely one of the uh, one of the top ones there. Yes, there was a good mixture of story and production value in the top three they chose. I thought. Yeah. Um, it's all kind of covered the whole spectrum. Yep. The other two films to get into the top three uh, were Sits in Silence, Sit in Silence, even, and No Escape. Um, so, what do you think as a top three, Simon? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I think yeah, the one they went for. Got a good balance of everything. Um, although No Escape was amazing visually and production-wise, uh, it maybe didn't have quite as strong a story as the other two. Sit in Silence, as I said last episode, uh, the second half of it in particular I thought was really fantastic and quite harrowing. So they did exactly what they were trying to do, I think. So, mm. Yeah, not a bad not a bad selection at all. Well, good. Good. Yes. So yes, out of uh, 350-odd teams, they're the ones who won. So congratulations to them. Well done. We would applaud... But uh, we might peek on our new podcasting um, device, which yeah. we haven't still quite worked out what the levels are. So exactly. you're might... too bitter about not being shortlisted ourselves. <laughs> not really. No. Um, we'll be back next year yes. with another attempt. Anyway, still talking of Sci-Fi London, um, Arms Race, the uh, steampunk-based film we, we've all been working on for the past. Well, we released it in 2010, and we've been working on it for about a year, year and a half, I guess. All told, yeah. Um, so that's, that came out last year yeah. and did well, and it's sort of making its way around some sci-fi festivals now, which is really good. Actually. Yeah, one of which was Sci-Fi London, where over the uh, Easter back holiday weekend, where we, some of us, went down to the Piccadilly Apollo uh, in London, London itself, the big, the big capital, London, UK, London, UK, and uh, saw Arms on the big screen. It was a very interesting experience uh, seeing myself up on the screen because I was uh, in it. Um, as as a mech pilot, and yeah, wow, it's uh, quite quite a feat and quite a, a, an achievement uh, mm. to actually see a small film you've been involved in actually make it onto the cinema. Yeah, because it was part of a short program they were doing. I think they had two nights, each of which had three nights. I think they had. three nights was it, and they each had what about ten short films. Yeah, uh, and yeah, Arms Race was selected to be one of them, which was uh, yeah, it was really rewarding actually. Uh, it's nice when we make these things; we do it just for our own enjoyment really yeah and what's great about well Jack Steele as well I mean that found an audience but Arms Race in particular has found much more of an audience than we ever expected I think yeah so that's uh, yeah very very rewarding up over 15,000 hits on YouTube which is very good indeed and uh, it will be showing at some conventions in Baltimore and Boston coming up but we'll put more details of that on the blog uh, as soon as we have them 
Yeah, and if you can think of any other American cities beginning with B, uh, we'd like you to let us know or hassle their sci-fi yes. event organisers to also show it. Because they're the only ones we're interested in. We don't want cities beginning with any other letter. No. That's just not our style. It's not our style at all. Um, yeah, so that's that. Very, very good. Yes, and uh, yeah, we'll be back to the Sci-Fi London Film Festival next year. So... The Trailer Park. The Trailer Park, indeed. Um, five films, once again, selected from the Apple uh, trailer website. And uh, we start with Cars 2. Yes. Have you seen Cars 1? No. No, me neither. Uh, I love Pixar movies. Uh, you're not quite as keen on Pixar as I am, I don't think. Not recall. quite. I don't dislike him, but mm. I just don't have a whole uh, love for him like yes. you do. Yes, indeed. Uh, but Cars I haven't seen, mainly because it's about cars. And that just doesn't really grab me. But you do drive a car, though. I do, yes. Well, actually, I used to love cars before I was old enough to actually learn to drive. As soon as I could learn to drive, I lost all interest in cars. Don't know what that's about. Okay. Um, But yeah, the thing that's always struck me as a bit strange about the Cars films is that it appears to be a world entirely inhabited by cars. Cars. I don't really get that, because you look at the other films, like Finding Nemo, it's about, like, fish, but in the real world. Yeah. You look at Toy Story, and it's about what if toys were real, but there's still humans in the world, because toys without humans doesn't make sense. And similarly, vehicles without something driving them also don't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't really get the fundamental concept behind the Cars film. Uh, so Cars 2 trailer looked lovely, obviously, because they know what they're doing <laughs> at Pixar, but I still don't really understand the, the mm. main point. I, I think sometimes it's best not to worry too much about the... <laughs> well, I do worry. It bothers me. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, looked, it looked quite fun. Um, a nice, fun film. Michael Caine's in it amongst a lot of people, I think, I presume, returning from... Cars 1. Yes, and he appeared to be playing a spy a in spy the guise car. of an Aston Martin, which I thought was quite a nice touch. Yeah, um, yeah so it was a, a bit of a laugh, and um, yeah, it doesn't look too bad. doesn't look too bad. So, Simon, the guillotine for this one? Um, bit of an ambivalent face, really. I'm, I'm sure, I'm, I imagine it would be a good film, but the subject matter just doesn't really interest me. Yeah, I've got a smiley face, but I've indicated that I'd probably watch it on telly um, at some point. As opposed to going to the cinema to see it. Yeah. But I say it looks good, but it's not something to go out the way for. Indeed, indeed. So next up, we have Conan the Barbarian. In 3D. Yes, so this is... I'm not sure if it's being termed as a remake or as another adaptation. It's probably a reimagining. Yes, indeed. So uh, obviously we had Arnie as Conan back in the 80s? Or was it 70s? Uh, late 80s. Late 80s. Back in the 80s, uh, Arnie was Conan. And now they're doing a new version. Um, and the trailer wasn't too bad. I thought what it was showing actually looked pretty good. It looked like some decent kind of dark fantasy. Looks like they put some money into it and it all looks very nicely produced. Yeah. Uh, the trailer itself annoyed me mainly because of the music. The music felt really incongruous and didn't really work for me. And it, the music seemed to be trying to make it look cool. Mm-hmm. And it didn't need to try and look cool because what it was showing was interesting enough anyway yeah it looked very Lord of the Ringsy. Um, I mean Lord of the Rings has set uh, the the, the uh, I can't think of the word the bar set the bar set yes. the bar quite high now it's but, a uh, word yeah bar <laughs> I'm mostly in bars not not talking about them um, it, it sort of set the bar high with the production values and nothing's really beat it yet no. Um, and everything is coming close to it. And when you watch these films, it's so like, oh, look, it's another Lord of the Ringsy kind of film. Mm-hmm. Um, which sort of leads one to believe that watching this trailer, there's nothing new or exciting about the, the film, which really makes me want to go out, once again, go out my way to see it. Mm. I mean, it looks good, but 
there's going to be nothing new. Yeah, I think what it's probably going to hinge on is how gritty and unpleasant it is. Because the difference between the Conan universe and, say, Lord of the Rings is that it needs to be really violent, a bit misogynistic, just a bit nasty in general. Mm-hmm. So if they've retained that, that will give it a different flavour to Lord yep. of the Rings. If they've toned it down to try and give it a PG-13, 12A certificate, then it's going to miss the point of that particular universe. Yep. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, I've got a smiley face because I'm hopeful, but, yeah, the trailer didn't do a great job. Yeah. I'm not sure how they've done it yet. I-, I gave it a smiley face, but then through the course of this discussion we've had, I'm tending to turn out to ambivalent. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, same here slightly. <laughs> uh, so we talked ourselves out of that I'm one. I depressed myself there, yeah. yes. Uh, so, third film we saw, trailer, that is, uh, is something called Priest. Starring Paul Bettany. Yes, who seems to keep starring in films with kind of religious overtones and cultist elements. And yeah, things. well, you know, he's an expert in that field now. Is he? Well, having... He's the go-to man. He is indeed, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the first thing that struck me is that there's a lot of CG creatures in it, and that immediately kind of lost my interest. Not that I have anything against CG, I love mm-hmm. CG, but to feature it that prominently and not seemingly have any actual physical monsters or bad things to get your teeth into as such, uh, yeah, it just looked a bit sort of 90s, a bit early 2000s when everything had to be CG, whether it was a good idea or not. Well, once again, nothing really new. Yes, yeah, it looked like so many films, like The Mummy crossed with Van Helsing, crossed with Underworld, and yeah. Yeah. So, sad face for me. Uh, I gave it uh, an ambivalent face, Mm -hmm. because I I might watch it, but once again, I wouldn't really go out my way to to see it. And Paul Bettany is a good actor, Yeah. so he might bring it up, but I'm not quite sure, he should do some better films. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Okay. What's next? True Legend. Yes, this is a new film from... Yuen Wu-Ping. Yes, who obviously choreographed Matrix and Crouch and Tiger and all that kind of stuff. Also directed a whole load of brilliant martial arts movies back in the day, like Iron Monkey. And, uh, exactly. So yes, he's back and he's made a martial arts movie. Yeah, he's he's pulled in Vincent Zhao and Zha's one to be in it. Yep, know them well. Yeah, know their work. Uh, Yeah, it looks... Really good. Yep. Looks like a great martial arts movie. Yep. Um, Trailer-wise, it didn't really tell me what the hell it was about. Um, it told me that there was lots of cool martial arts in it that looked really well done. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of enough to get me interested. Well, and, and also the, the martial arts on the trailer were really good. And it, it, it's going to basically just be one long fight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. From what I can tell. The only worry I've got is that during the trailer, there was quotes and many people were saying how good the action sequences were. Um, how good... Um, the or the stunts and everything like that is, which is always a worry because if a trailer's telling you how good it is, are they trying to over egg the pudding? Yes, yes, indeed. We shall see. Yeah, uh, hopefully, I mean, you know, it's been made by a guy who knows what he's up to. Yeah, so hopefully that experience will yep. result in another classic. Yeah, it's a crazy action packed martial arts epic movie, I think, with yes. all the uh, usual cliches you want from usual ingredients. Yeah, yeah. From, but it also looks like it had a really good sense of humour. Yes. Um, which is good because, like we've discussed in the past, that something that doesn't take itself too seriously um, can work much better than something that's a bit po-faced. A bit po-faced. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, uh, smiley face. Yeah, smiley face for me as well. Um, and finally, jumping the broom. Yes. Uh, obviously, we do have specific tastes here at Spiffing Review. Yes. And there may be certain genres we're a little yeah. hard on. 
Um, but you know, Trailer Park is about the trailer, not just about the film. If you can spot what they are, why not let us know? <laughs> yes, indeed. So, Jumping the Broom is about people getting married and having a party. It's another one of those films. Yeah, it is. Well, and also it's another one of these uh, you knock somebody over only to marry them films. I'm sure we did one of these in the last episode, wasn't there? Yeah, it happens a lot, people getting run over and then getting married. Yeah. must be like the concussion just completely robs them of any kind of sense. Yeah. Um, Main thing that annoyed me about the trailer is I still don't know what jumping the broom means. I totally missed the broom reference in in the trailer as well, so... I mean, maybe it's a term that I should be familiar with. Maybe it's hideously embarrassing that I don't know it. It could be some... Euphemism or something, I don't know. Oh no, maybe it's some crazy game they're going to play at the wedding reception where a couple of people get a broom and as opposed to doing limbo, they jump over it. Yeah, that is it. Yeah, that could yeah, be it. Builds, it could up, be... builds up this action climax <laughs> oh, of just people jumping over brooms. Now, wouldn't it be good though if they'd have put that in the trailer because then that'd be something to look forward to because mm-hmm. there's quite a lot of people in it and there yep. could be a lot of jumping going on. Indeed. I thought it might have been a typo and maybe it was going to be jumping the groom and it is meant to be like slightly bawdy humour. Mm. But uh, it's not. See. No. Mm. Maybe it's an American phrase we're not familiar with. Yes. A bit like uh, Tyler Perry. Yeah. Mm. It, that's not an American phrase, though, is it? That's a, actually a person. Is it? Well, I, I I, we've so. done our best to turn it into a phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we discovered this week that Tyler Perry is in the Star Trek film. Uh, so we have seen Tyler Perry on screen, legitimately, which we got quite excited about. Well, you say excited. Well, I was excited. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sure he was as well. Mm. So, uh, jumping the broom, um, I might have to watch it just to find out what jumping the broom means. But okay. Well, other, other than that, so the title's doing a really good job of selling it to me. But yeah, otherwise it looked like the same old stuff, really. I gave it a sad face. Because yeah. it looks like a not very funny version of Meet the Fockers. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever, or that Meet the Parents, all that sort of crazy stuff. Which I quite like some of it, but they tended to get less funny over time. Mm-hmm. But this just starts out as not looking very good at all. Yeah, yeah. I just, I've seen it so many times. Or seen the trailer so many times and yeah. then carefully not seen the film. Now. Anyway, so, I, want, I wonder face. what we're going to give this. Yes, yeah, sad, sad face. Sad face for me as well. So of the um, of the five then, Simon, we saw, which uh, has really excited your goat? Um, my goat is shaking about for True Legend, I think. Uh, although the trailer was a bit vague, perhaps. It does look like it's doing what it's trying to do really well. Yes. Um, I think that one as well. True Legend is definitely the best... Well, the one the most promised, shall we say. Yes, yes. And we shall see how the other ones turn out when they get released later in the year. Yeah, we shall. So, uh, a new section we have is Movie Watch. Because we're attempting to focus more on sort of independent and amateur filmmaking and that kind of thing, and broaden the scope of what we're talking about, uh, we won't always have the time to talk about the mainstream kind of stuff and just general films we've seen. So, Movie Watch is our way of just quickly covering stuff we've seen in... Well, since the last episode. Yes. So, Wayne, what have you seen? Machete. Machete. It's very good. Danny Trejo. We did review this in the trailer park last Yes, series. we did. Uh, I, I think it actually lives up to everything it was going to be in the trailer and more. Um, within the first five minutes of watching the, the film, I had this sudden um, sense that this film was going to be awesome. And indeed it was. But I mean, you've got to appreciate that style of film. I don't think that the sort of people who would like to watch Jumping the Broom, for example, would really be excited about watching Machete. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if you're into that kind of genre of film, the exploitation style film, then you're going to love it. Yeah. Rodriguez does have... He knows what he likes to make, and that's what he does very well. Uh, but it is yeah, a particular style that you have to be into. Um, but yeah, Danny Trejo is brilliant. I love him in everything he's been in. So mm-hmm. to see him actually have a lead role is really exciting so yep. I'm going to buy that off you 
So, uh, I saw, well, I had a bit of a, a Coen Brothers catch-up, actually. Uh, I saw No Country for Old Men and Burn After Reading, which is the correct pronunciation. Yes. Uh, no Country for Old Men was really good. It was, in fact, both of these films were kind of spoofs of traditional films. So No Country for Old Men is like an updated Western, but, and kind of mixed in with The Terminator in a strange way. Javier Bardem's character basically is the Terminator, and there are scenes that seem to be little riffs on scenes from the Terminator, whether he's going through the phone book looking for all the people with the right name, and stuff like that, and going into a gun shop, and yeah, whether that's deliberate or not, I don't know, but there seem to be a kind of slightly comedic spoofing of that, but Mm -hmm. also showing what would actually happen, so it's a much more brutal kind of showing of what would happen if normal people got caught up in this kind of horrible events. So uh, yeah, that's, that's good stuff and really good performances, as you expect from their films. Burn After Reading. Um, Reading. Reading, sorry. Uh, very wacky and, yeah, different sort of humour. It's kind of even more abstract than Fargo, I suppose, and a bit sillier. But, yeah, really good cast and um, it's worth seeing just for one particularly surprising scene with okay. Brad Pitt, which I won't go into details about. But, okay. Yes. Excellent. Well, I, I, I always find the Coen brothers a bit... You've got to be in the right mood to watch the films, I think. Mm. Sometimes you can sit down and try and watch them and it just, you're just not in the right frame of mind and it's just not worth it. But other times, uh, if you're really up for watching their sort of stuff, they'd be really cool. Yeah, they've got such a deliberate pacing to their stuff that yeah. if you're not in the right frame of mind, it's not going to work. Yeah. Something I was going to mention as part of the um, talking about our little visit down to London uh, for the arms race um, was a couple of the other short films we saw at our session uh, which are worth looking up uh, on the internet or I don't know, whatever because I've not actually followed it up but uh, the uh, short film uh, award winner uh, called Brutal Relax is 15 minutes of, um, of epic violent fun and also uh, a film called Rise of the Appliances which is a Welsh film uh, dealing with what happens when appliances come to life and they rise they? Both very good, but very well worth watching. Excellent. Do you know if they are available on the net? I don't know. Hmm. We shall have to ask Google. Yes. Yes. Uh, more recently in the cinema, I saw Thor and Fast Five. Saw Thor and saw, Fast Five. Saw Thor and Fast right. Five, yes. Uh, both of which I enjoyed, which surprised me a little bit. Um, as you'll know if you listen to previous episodes, I'm a big fan of Marvel and Marvel comic movies. Um, but Thor was one that could have gone horrifically wrong just because the subject material is so incredibly camp potentially mm-hmm. um, and it could have been the modern equivalent of the Master of the Universe film which has its merits but generally didn't work too well uh, but yeah <laughs> Dolph Lundgren yes yeah. indeed uh, but Thor, Thor I really liked uh, it kind of takes itself it's got a sense of humour but it doesn't ridicule its own material which is that kind of fine line that you have to walk with that kind of stuff and yeah good cast worked really nicely Fast Five uh, I haven't bothered with the last couple of Fast and the Furious because it's not that interesting. Is it just called Fast Five, or is it actually called um, Fast and the Furious well, it's Five? it's officially called Fast Five, and in the States, that's how it's marketed. And on the front of the film, it's called Fast Five here. But I think all the posters here, they've marketed it as Fast and the Furious Five Rio Heist. So it's kind of a reverse of the usual thing where UK <laughs> stuff gets changed for the States because they assume Americans can't figure it out. Uh-huh. So they've kind of done that here and assume that Brits can't work out that Fast Five where, you know, it's obviously got Vin Diesel and Paul Walker and The Rock. They, they think we can't figure out that it's a Fast and the Furious film. Um, but in fact, what's odd is that it kind of almost isn't a Fast and the Furious film, because although it's got those actors in it, it's more of a, a heist movie. Um, it's not so much about cars. It's much more of a normal action movie, and 
for that I really enjoyed it. Oh, Good. So, yeah, if you like action movies, I recommend it, even if you don't like the other Fast and the Furious films. Okay. Uh, a film I'm looking forward to seeing, and it's a shame it wasn't available in the trailer park, is Attack the Block, mm. which is a film yes. by Joe Cornish of Adam and Joe fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know Adam and Joe, uh, look them up, because you should. Yes, they're very funny. Yeah, this is an uh, alien invasion movie set in London in kind of tower block estate type areas and seeing the local inhabitants deal with the aliens. Yep, allegedly very good. A lot of people have seen it and are comparing it to the sort of success um, with Shaun of the Dead and uh, Hot Fuzz and yeah, that. Yeah, it has got Nick Frost in it and there's, I think there's a lot of... Edgar Wright, yeah, Edgar Wright's got a lot, I think mean, some sort of production role on it or yeah. script writing or something, I, don't, I can't quite remember. Um, but I'll let you know uh, once I've seen it, which should hopefully be soon. next episode, perhaps. Yeah, many luck. Many luck. Okie dokie. Any other films? No, no, no. no. We've only been two weeks because we've been so good on keeping to schedule that we haven't had time to watch anymore. Yeah. So let's move on to fan films. Do you know much about fan films, Wayne? They're films made by fans. Yes, for fans. Uh, fan films are essentially when somebody decides to make their own movie based on. An existing property, whether it be Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Batman, whatever. Um, I work at a company called FX Home. We've got a big community of amateur filmmakers. So over the years, I've watched a lot of fan films of varying quality. Um, and they do vary from atrocious to really, really, really good. Um, they can get up to full professional quality. So they're actually getting near the quality of the thing that they're based on. Um, but generally they're all made for very little money and just for the kind of love of the source material and the love of making films. Um, it's a curious thing to do because if you make a fan film, you're kind of instantly restricting yourself in terms of what you can do with it because you can't sell it, you can't sometimes distribute it, distribute it as, as you'd like because um, the people that actually own the property aren't going to like you doing it. No, so um, you can pretty much make it, stick it on the net and just let people watch it there. Yeah, and hopefully you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, some... People are better than others, like Lucas with Star Wars is actually great about it. He has an annual Star Wars fan film competition, I think. Uh, so he really encourages it and basically kind of waves all Which is quite a surprise because of everyone. You'd have thought Lucas would have been one of the ones to come crushing down on people really hard about yeah, that. Yeah, because he thing. knows how to make money. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas I think maybe Warner Bros. have a slightly dodgier rep and like anything to do with Harry Potter that isn't official Harry Potter stuff gets trodden on and... Uh, yeah, so yeah, but that just goes through the whole Harry Potter franchise, not just on Warner mm-hmm. Brothers, but um, I think J.K. Rowling does keep quite a tight rein yeah. on all things Potter. Yes, so uh, so yeah, when you embark on these things, you do run a risk of you might make it and then not be allowed to actually release it or do anything mm. with it, so that is a risk. Um, plus, of course, if you make a Star Wars fan film, if your production quality isn't anywhere near the Star Wars films, which is pretty difficult, uh, you're immediately going to be compared to something that you maybe can't attain the level of yeah. uh, so that's a risk um, plus of course it's not original because you're basing it off something else whether that matters to you or not as a viewer or as a uh, filmmaker is kind of up to you really um, I'm not sure it always does matter because if you're having fun doing it and watching it it doesn't really matter yeah and we're not when we talk about fan films we're not really talking about parodies of the films are we we're talking about no. uh, people who've made films within an existing world setting yes yeah so it'll, you know they'll take say uh, a scene from Star Wars and there's a guy standing way off in the background and they'll make a story about him. That kind of thing. Kind of yeah. like it's trying to expand the universe out and have... Is there a chance to play in that world? Yeah. I guess. Um, and of course, one benefit of doing a fan film is that you can potentially get more people on board to make it because rather than you being an amateur filmmaker with maybe no particular 
uh, history of making great films. So convincing people to do your own script can be hard. But if you say, hey, I'm doing a Star Wars film or I'm doing a Lord of the Rings film, then if those people are Lord of the Rings fans, they're more likely to come on board and work with you. So, yeah, it's an interesting thing to do. And um, it's not something we've really embarked upon. No, not yet. Maybe it's something we, we might do one one day. But well, I think we're too busy with other projects yeah. uh, making stuff up. Of course, one big benefit of doing a fan film is that you kind of have a built-in audience. Yes. Uh, so if your fan film is good, then half the marketing is done for you already because you can latch on to the back of yeah. the big marketing thing that comes it, If it's thing. poor, people will probably give you a bit of a roasting on YouTube. Yes, because you won't be able to hide from yeah. them. So, uh, the fan film we want to talk a little bit more about in some more detail is one called Born of Hope, which is a Lord of the Rings film that came out last, no, probably two years ago now? In the last couple of years. Yes, relatively recently. Um, directed by Kate Madison, who someone we've had the pleasure of working with in the past. Um, she worked on Born of Hope, as I understand it, for years and years and years because it was very much a kind of zero budget kind of production. But she was really striving to give it a Lord of the Rings feel. And given the scope of that kind of thing, it's not easy to do when you're doing it on no money with volunteer crews. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, an hour and ten minutes, so it is pretty much feature length. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she made it and finished it, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, just just getting through to finishing a film that length um, without a big studio backing is is impressive. Just in the uh, yes. just on the outset, kind so of demands respect. If you've uh, done any kind of filmmaking, you know how ridiculously difficult yes. it actually is. Uh, so yeah, uh, Born of Hope. What were your impressions? Well, I very much like the, the the fact that Born of Hope managed to capture that uh, Peter Jackson. Lord of the Rings uh, style very well. So mm-hmm. you're watching it thinking this actually could be part of um, the Peter Jackson world. And um, the story was a story which, um, yeah, it was there to be told. Uh, um, it was, it's all about um, uh, sort of Aragorn's origins and stuff like that. Um, so it's definitely a, a story that's there existing, which no one's really uh, told before. Yeah, slots into the whole mythology nicely, and, and yeah. you can you kind of can see it as a prequel to the main films if you want yeah. to. It kind of slots in there fairly comfortably. Yeah, I thought on the whole the costumes are all um, pretty good. So there's a lot of effort went into that. Uh, the, the the village they used uh, is that somewhere near here, isn't it? Yeah, that's Some down sort of... in Suffolk, and I've forgotten the specific name of it, but it's, uh, it's an old medieval village. It's a re- village, reenactment kind of village, yes, isn't it? It's a medieval village that exists, and they did a lot of filming down there, yeah. uh, which really paid off, because it gives it this really nice, rustic kind of feel, and that's obviously something you couldn't really go and build yourself on the kind of budget they were working with. Yeah. Um, similarly, location work was really stunning. They'd gone all over the place. I think they'd done some filming out in Wales or something. And yeah. They'd really gone to the effort of not just filming it in the forest around the back of their house. they found places in the UK to give it a unique look. And yeah. They'd filmed some of it in snow, some of it in summer, so it had, this, it had the epic feel that yeah. they were obviously going to go for. Uh, I think what you were saying about it capturing the Peter Jackson style is spot on, because from the very opening scene, when you see this family going through the woods with a, a cart and then the orcs attack, and it all feels very much, not just the look of it, but the actual style of the filmmaking is quite a good approximation yes. of, of what Jackson did there. Um, it's a really big cast uh, to wrangle, especially over such a long period of time. Yeah, getting the same people back to to play the roles can't have been easy. Um, and, and the actors, or or pretty much to a to a man, uh, one woman, uh, did a very good job as well. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the things 
Um, I think we found with working with various uh, actors on projects is to, to maintain a, a level of excellence of acting all the way through uh, can be quite hard. And I think they managed to achieve that in Born of Hope. Yes, yeah, it remained fairly consistent. Um, and obviously Kate directed and was also in it. Yeah. So to actually keep an eye on all these things and juggle all these spinning plates, I might have mixed my metaphors slightly there. Uh, is <laughs> You're juggling spinning plates. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I could end in That's in how strong she is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, a really impressive achievement, no matter how you look at it. Um, I think there's areas where it could definitely be tighter. Um, I wish... In some ways, the film would be slightly shorter because I think compressed down, it would be even sort of slicker. Film. Yeah. Um, because running length is such a difficult thing to keep people's attention, uh, particularly when you're making this kind of movie. Um, so the fact that actually it's an hour long and is watchable and you can watch it and enjoy it is impressive because I've seen a lot of fan films where about a minute in, you <laughs> it feels like of, an hour. Yeah, you kind of want to kill yourself. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's certainly bypassed that. Um, and yeah, overall, fit into the Lord of the Rings world rather nicely. Yep. Um, that is, uh, so it's very good. And bearing in mind that it is, a, uh, I would say, amateur production, insofar as it's not professionally funded, um, it's actually a very good job. for, uh, And we just really appreciate the amount of work that's gone into it. And um, yeah, e- excellent result. Yes, we'll have to find out if they're working on anything else. Mm. Um, now that Kate's recovered <laughs> from yes. the epic production. And um, in terms of Lord of the Rings epic fan film, there's another one called Hunt for Gollum, uh, which I've not yet seen, but I think you have. I have. Yeah, that's very good. That's slightly more action-packed mm-hmm. and uh, is likewise a, a, an excellent um, uh, foray into the, into the Lord of the Rings uh, Peter Jackson interpretation of it. Now, the reason why I keep saying the Peter Jackson interpretation of Lord of the Rings is I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan and have, um, uh, since I was about 10 or 11 or so, I've really been into it. And... Um, the Peter Jackson version of Lord of the Rings, as excellent and as epic as it is, is a little bit different in in my interpretation as to how it should work. So um, uh, things like Aragorn uh, should be, I think, more kingly as opposed to the... Uh, it comes across as a bit of a, bit of a wimp uh, throughout the films. Even though he's there doing all the fighting and trying to be the hero, he just doesn't carry off being a... a, a a, a, a Numenorian. Yeah, you don't uh, quite see the translation from the ranger into the king. No, he in. says the ranger all the way through, and it, that is something which, um, in different versions of it, I, I much prefer to see. Yeah, because you're a big fan of the BBC, BBC radio drama. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, one of the things which uh, uh, really got me into um, really loving audio drama. It was the BBC adaptation of it. Um, but anyway, so I'm sort of digressing from what we're talking about a bit, really. Um, so Peter Jackson has set up a vision and a look of of, of Middle Earth. Yeah, which is obviously the one that most people know as well. These yeah, days. yeah, definitely. And um, uh, and, and so Born Hope and Hunt for Gollum. Uh, I've only two Lord of the Rings sort of films, well, well, was... fan films that I've seen anyway. There's obviously uh, loads of parodies of it, yeah. but but they fit into it very well, both yeah. of them. I think what's interesting with Lord of the Rings is because Hunt for Gollum and Born of Hope both came out around about the same time. Yes, that cool. And it's curious to compare them to the Star Wars fan films, of which there are billions, because with Lord of the Rings, there seems to be far fewer and they're far bigger in scale of production and story and what they're trying to do. Um, and it's just interesting to see the different ways that different groups of fans approach their material. So, yeah. you know, the Lord of the Rings people very much want to tell part of 
the Tolkien history. Yeah. Whereas with Star Wars fan films, quite often people will be happy just with a big lightsaber fight. Yeah. Um, and that'd be five minutes long and that'll be that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of curious. Um, on the subject of fan films, if we've kind of piqued your interest, because they are, they're, they're interesting works really, because they're kind of unlike anything else you'll find. And it's certainly not something you'd ever see at the cinema or something. Um, because it only really exists. In fact, it's also something that's only existed in the last 10 years in the way... That's because of YouTube, isn't it? Really? Exactly. Before the internet, fan films didn't really exist in the same way because there's no way to find an audience or distribute it or do anything like that. Um, so just a couple of other ones that I'd really recommend hunting down. Um, one is Troops. And this is certainly the first fan film that I was really aware of that kind of hit mainstream... Well, not mainstream, but it kind of went big time, I suppose. Yeah. And, uh, this is a, a spoof. Well, it's, kind of, it's a spoof of cops, but set yes. in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, so it's not so much a spoof of Star Wars as, as it is the cops TV show yeah. and follows some Imperial troopers on Tatooine going around about their daily business. Yeah, and going around their business. Yes, and, and it captures uh, the style of the cops TV show. Yeah. And it kind of meshes in with Star Wars. It, surprisingly it, it, it well. works really well. Um, and something else that came out, uh, probably 2004 or around about then, possibly a bit earlier, is... Um, something called Batman Dead End. Uh, this was in the wake of the Schumacher Batman film. So we'd had Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Batman was completely dead. This was long before Christopher Nolan kind of gave it CPR and brought it back. Yeah. Uh, so this was in the kind of the, the void space between the Batman films. And this guy, Sandy Colliver, brought out this fan film, which no one was expecting. And yeah, it, well, there's a lot of things you don't expect in it, actually. And I don't want to spoil it, but... Um, it's got some amazing costumes it, and it, it, ca- it captures the Batman vibe very well. Yes, yeah, the kind of it got that the Burton vibe brought yeah. that back a little bit and uh, captures the vibe from some other movies yeah. which we won't mention too no. much. And, and the Joker's in it as well. Joker in it is a very good interpretation of the yeah. Joker. Um, and wasn't the Joker Walter Koenig's son? Walter Koenig's son, yes, who I think died last year, which is quite sad. Yes, um, well, it's very sad. It is, yeah, especially for them. Yeah, um, but yes. He is in Batman Dead End as the Joker, and it's worth watching because he's really good. Um, yeah, and it's kind of a version of the Joker we haven't really seen in the films either. No, it's like very, it's a very Mark Hamill Joker from the yes. uh, animated TV series. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, then there's yeah, there's vast numbers of fan films out there, um, a lot of which aren't worth watching, but the ones we mentioned certainly are. Well, there are occasional gems. Uh, certainly, if you can. Uh, find Born of Hope on the internet somewhere uh, we'll, we'll find a link for it and stick it on our website yeah if you if you just go to YouTube and uh, put in Born, Born of Hope you should find it the whole feature length film is yep. there not quite sure how Kate managed that um, <laughs> given the limits on running time but yeah so you can find it there in 720p and uh, yeah hope you enjoy it and yeah bear in mind when you're watching these things that these are made by volunteers yep. in a very different way to professional movie yeah um, they're made by fans for fans yes. uh, and you can obviously the the, the the love and the enthusiasm for the source material uh, when you're watching it which is something especially with Born of Hope which comes through is the you know the, the love of the source material he does yes. exude onto the onto the screen yes indeed uh, yeah it's made by people that love it yeah so yes uh, so that's fan films and go and enjoy them so yeah uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode if we can keep to our Incredibly regular schedule here. Yeah, possibly with a look at Attack the Block. Yes, let's hope so. That would be good. Um, so yes, thank you very much for listening, and uh, you can get in touch with us via the normal channels. 
which will be tagged on the end of the show. Yes, indeed. <laughs> right. So until next time, it's goodbye. Goodbye. If you'd like to contact us, you can email Simon and Wayne at spiffingreview.com. Follow us on Twitter at spiffingreview or visit our website at spiffingreview.com. Spiffing Review is an It's a Trap production. <laughs>